step inside into the world of Lady Teal's Curios. Welcome to another episode of Wednesday's Wacky and Weird. I'm your host, Lady Teal. This week, I'm covering the relatively new app, Randonautica. Randonautica has been making a splash on TikTok and basically all over the interwebs. There are videos of people finding really unusual places or trinkets or signs that relate to them personally. And then there's other videos where people are terrified of what they encounter or who they encounter. A few teens actually discovered body remains in a suitcase while using the Randonautica app. Now, the app itself is not intended to be malicious or scary. The whole theory behind the app is that the user thinks of an intention, while the app uses quantum entropy to generate random points. The user can then travel to the randomly generated coordinates And many times they will find what they were thinking of lines up exactly with the location they were given. According to the Randonautica website, there are two main parts. You can explore blind spots, which are places outside your conscious awareness, or you can experiment with the mind-matter interaction, which embraces the hypothesis that your consciousness can influence the distribution of random numbers. For the entire 2020 so far, my social media has been flooded with the idea of a collective awakening going on, or a shift in humanity's consciousness. More and more science is coming out with the evidence that supports the ability to influence your reality with your mind. And with theories of humanity living in a simulation, wouldn't it be likely that we would be able to influence the world around us? I don't know, something about manifestation and intention setting has always fascinated me. I swear my husband has the ability to do this because anytime he has a goal or an intention in life, he is able to manifest that somehow. And I do think that some people are better at it than others and other people do need to learn or become more open to the idea A lot of what I've read has mentioned that if you are skeptical to the notion of intention setting or manifestation, then um, you'll likely get out of it what you put into it. So if you're really skeptical about it, then you'll likely not see the results as somebody who is very positive or receptive to that idea. Today, we are going to go deep inside some of the theories behind the Randonautica app, and then I'll share my own experiences. I went on a couple of adventures. As soon as I found out about the app, I downloaded it immediately and was super excited. It is totally up my alley. I love geocaching. When Pokemon Go came out, we played that all the time. Anything that gets you exploring, I absolutely love. And some of the theories behind this app are really intricate and very interesting. So um, we are going to go down the rabbit hole today. According to Randonaut team member Auburn, the Randonaut app helps you break out of your probability tunnel. 
A probability tunnel is what most people who live a routine-based life get stuck in. This is how you are predetermined to live your life or expected to live your life based on your everyday actions. And when you live your life in a very routine manner, you do the same things every day. You wake up, you get in your car, you stop by Starbucks, you go to work, you get off at work at the same time. This is creating a predetermined road or path that your life is supposed to follow. When you randonaut, when you go on these adventures and you're generating these random numbers through quantum entropy, you are breaking free from that cycle. Most of the theories behind randonauting are part of the FATM project. FATM is basically Latin for fate. There are a lot of factors and details that go into this project, and as far as I can tell, it is broken down into three main experiments. Now, we are going to dive into these experiments, and normally I am not a fan of reading straight from an article or website, but these ideas are very complex, and I do want to make sure that I convey them properly, and I think the article or the FATM project website best explains it. So I am going to be reading straight from that website and then um, commenting on it as well. So let's start with the first experiment and that deals with the probability of blind spots, mimetic factors, and side effects. Okay, so this is where I am going to read directly from the FATM project. Imagine that somewhere near you, Perhaps near your house, there is a place that you always go around without any reason. You have never been there and probably do not even know that this place exists. We call such places blind spots. Their existence is mathematically determined since all our behavior has a certain share of determinism in it. Imagine that you toss a coin. It can fall heads, tails, or stand on the edge. But nothing other than these three outcomes will be taken as a result. The set of outcomes is determined by the coin itself. The dice cannot give you two and a half because its sides are whole numbers. The same is true for our geographical routes. No matter what path we choose, wherever we decide to go, there is a limited number of logical chains that will guide our mind when choosing a route. Even if it seems to us that we act by chance, there is always a place where none of these logical chains leads. In short, if we choose three random points and move the fourth point many times half the distance to one of these points randomly chosen by a dice throw, then despite the fact that all movements were guided by randomness, all the locations of the point during the game form a figure known like a... and uh, I'm trying to pronounce this right. Hopefully I do. N uh, form a figure known like a Sierpinski triangle. In other words, the presence of any game rule forms a limited outcome space. It is interesting that in the center of this triangle, there is a space into which points never fall. Such a space in our case would be called a blind spot. This means that no matter what choices you make, and no matter how many variations 
on how many days may pass, there are always some places where you simply cannot be because none of the chains of your decisions lead there. Such places may be somewhere nearby. On your street, there might be a lane in which you will never think to look and you do not even know about its existence. What could be hiding in such blind spots? And what could be hiding in places where no one looks at at all? This is the first question of our experiment. Right, okay, so that was taken directly from the section on blind spots. Now we are going to take a look at memetics and side effects. And again, this is taken directly from the Fathom Project page, which I will link in the show notes. Next was the question of what were long-term consequences of a researcher staying in a place where he should have never been? How much can determinism be broken by butterfly effect? Will the clockwork of the universe fail from changing its gear position? Will the objects found in these places or the images seen generate cascades of events drastically changing everything around? The mechanism of both phenomena is related to how our consciousness perceives the uncertainty that we are aware of when we think about the blind spots. Depending on the participant's disposition, one of two mechanisms may be activated. The first mechanism we called a void meme. This is a positive scenario for understanding the unknown, which is an important component of the Fatim Project paradigm. Void memes are the open questions. In our case, this is the great unknown laying outside the deterministic world. Being completely indefinite, like the Rorschach stains, draws the most daring assumptions from your imagination, trying to fill the void of uncertainty. This creates a release of dopamine and motivates you. And since energy is expanded in the search for truth, the mind seeks confirmation of its expectations and pays attention to anything even slightly unusual, which increases your impressionability. And this way, the ability to notice anomalies is greatly increased. And any anomalies that are noticed from new attention filters, which, due to the Bader-Meinhof effect, and again, sorry for any pronunciation errors, make it possible to notice new types of things. This changes your very vision of the surrounding world, thus completing the creation of a new reality tunnel. However, there is also a negative scenario when thinking about the unknown. The participant's imagination does not draw attractive prospects, but frightening threats. In such cases, there may be an obsessive, anxious feeling that being in this place is dangerous and that reality seems to be looking at you with hostility. Sometimes people generally can abandon the very idea of an experiment or even become angry about it as they immediately come up with many potential threats. This phenomenon is explained by the presence of a pattern that we call despair meme. The principle of despair meme is simple. It is transmitted in the form of signals that simultaneously carry a danger and the impossibility of resisting it. For example, an endless stream of bad and terrifying news in public media, aggression from people in a higher position in the social hierarchy, nagging people who would cause discomfort at the level of empathy, but not taking advice to solve problems, etc. 
since the resulting stress is unsolvable, a closed cycle of self-reflection is created, producing stress and a feeling of helplessness, prompting a person to search for an accessible target for their sublimation and send the same signal to someone else. When the external signal ceases to function, the consciousness continues to paranoidly seek out any signs of a similar danger and inventing threats where there are none. So the despair meme auto-stimulates itself. Thus, any new and unusual information will be perceived in the context of a potential threat that may block void meme from functioning properly. To reduce the effect of despair meme, it is enough to understand its nature and try not to succumb to it. Then over time, the brain will learn to filter out groundless fears. There are also techniques such as facial interpretation bias modification, otherwise known as FIBM, and you can Google them. End quote. Okay, so lots of things going on in this section here. Um, Basically, you've got void memes and despair memes, and you'll hear or see when you're watching these these videos of uh, people starting to feel really panicky or paranoid, and um, they think that somebody's following them. There's rumors going around that the app is used for human trafficking, and um, because of the media attention that the teenagers got when they discovered the body um, in the suitcase, I think it's really important to understand these memes that are totally based on how you perceive the world. If you go using this app and you are looking for death, if you are looking for something spooky or creepy or very negative, and then on top of that, you have a very negative feeling or a very scared feeling, you're just going to amplify that effect. So it's really important to keep a positive attitude when using this app. So that kind of covers the first experiment. Now, this is apparently where it starts to get complicated. (laughs) If it hasn't gotten complicated for you yet, and you are staying on top of it, congratulations. Experiment number two has to do with mind-influenced randomness. And again, um, I am going to just take it straight from the Fathom project so that you can understand what they're saying. And we will go from there. Now, this one's a little more lengthy, so just bear with me. Okay, so here we go. Experiment number two, mind-influenced randomness. The Global Consciousness Project, a parapsychology experiment begun in 1998 as an attempt to detect possible interactions of global consciousness with physical systems and an extrapolation of two decades of experiments from the Princeton Engineering Anomalies Research Lab, otherwise known as PEAR. I'm going to pause right here. Um, The PEAR experiments have since been shut down and you can research that. Um, We might do another deep dive into that later. Um, But the Global Consciousness Project is what the second experiment is based on. Back to the article. 
Just as in the previous experiment, a point is generated on the map to be visited, but the principle of generation is completely different now. For generation, a strictly quantum RNG is used. Random number generated. When you use the app, you'll see ANU, which is the open server at Australian National University that receives random numbers by measuring the magnetic field fluctuations of virtual particles in a vacuum. The second REG is a REG-1 Cyleron hardware module purchased from the internet using tunnel effects and a field effect transistor. Okay, pausing uh, from the page here. So you have Australian National University that has a random number generator and it gets these random numbers by measuring the magnetic field fluctuation of virtual particles in a vacuum. Um, That is a mouthful of a sentence and I did a whole like side tangent research while I was researching for this episode to figure out just what that sentence meant. And it (laughs) took me about an hour before I fully understood it. So if you want to go um, do some research on your own, definitely recommend doing that. It's very fascinating. Um, For this episode, we are not going to dive into the vacuum, but I will highly recommend doing your own research on that. And the project page continues on. First, several thousand random points are generated on the map by QRNG, and then the places are searched around which these points gather in dense clusters, deviating from a uniform distribution. Because if the mind will alter randomness in favor of some meaningful place, the distribution of points around it will deviate in density from the entire area. Places in which the density of random points is much higher than the average, we called attractor points, since they attract random values to themselves. Places where the density of points is abnormally low, or there are none at all, we called voids. In fact, both of them are statistical anomalies, but with a different direction of deviation, so we also call them intention-driven anomalies, or IDEA. The force distorting the quantum probability in favor of the participants' thoughts was called genesis field. It is worth noting that the IDA, the intention-driven anomalies, concept is fundamentally different from the blind spot search. And although it is possible to discover those during the experiment, you should not expect that the IDA will be unfamiliar or completely random places. In fact, everything is exactly the opposite. Since their position is formed by your mind, they should be meaningful. During the experiment, it is recommended to choose a larger search area in order to increase the chances of finding artifacts in it that the algorithm could point to, but within the distance that you are ready to overcome. The main component of the majority of reports from these experiments are reports of synchronism and meaningful coincidences, sometimes having a personal character, but more often figuratively coinciding with what the participant thought or spoke about before the experiment. End quote. (laughs) Are you confused? 
Don't worry, I have a feeling as I spend more time researching the app, I myself will better understand it and I'll probably do a follow-up episode later on. But um, basically what this is saying in a nutshell is that um, intention-driven anomalies are places that you have thought about in your mind beforehand and the anomalies show up because you have thought of them. And when you go to these spots, these coordinates, people will often find little trinkets or graffiti. Um, I've seen videos where people go to a location and they've never been there before and then their name is written on graffiti or um, like something meaningful, a symbol in their life is plastered on a door or on a wall. So this is all about synchronicities and intention setting. So let's go to the third experiment and then we'll jump into my experiences. This experiment is a complement to the previous two since the analysis of their results often raises the question of whether all these amazing observations are a consequence of confirmation bias. Would the participants see the same signs and coincidences in ordinary places if they thought they were anomalies? To find out, we developed the so-called mystery point. This is a point generated by an arbitrary algorithm. It can be either an IDA or just a random point, but the participant will not know about it. All that the participant knows is the code of the point by which developers can subsequently determine its type. Since the participants do not know what to expect at points of this type, confirmation bias should be filtered. However, reliable statistics will require many such reports, and we look forward to the active participation of volunteers in this study. End quote. Okay, so I'm going to read one last section from the Fathom Project that I feel is very important because it touches on some points of study that I have always found fascinating. Simulation theory, multiple dimensions, and parallel universes. That's right, we are going there. These are um, very exciting theories, and I just, I love TV shows on them, movies on them, reading about them, and science articles and journals, and I just, I can't get enough of these concepts. Here we go, directly from the page. The project is quite popular among supporters of the hypothesis of simulation. It is assumed that if the world is a computer simulation, then going beyond the standard algorithms can provoke it to inappropriate behavior and glitches. In the original concept, we did not intend to question the reality of the universe. We only doubted the methodological accessibility of all its components, and therefore we will not particularly delve into this topic. In the end, what is real and what is unreal are relative concepts. But if you want to hack the matrix, you can try. The interpretation in the context of dimension jumping, or what we call plane shifting, seemed more interesting to us. Dimension jumping is a quantum teleportation into a parallel reality of multiverse, which differs from your own in some small way. Often associated with the phenomena such as the Mandela effect, since most dimension-jumping methods on the internet suggest an enhanced mental adjustment to the desired version of reality, it can be assumed that if this phenomenon is real, 
then it is associated with the Genesis field. This makes sense if we assume that parallel universes are not separated from each other like bubbles, but represent a single continuum in which just the casual viscosity, i.e. the stasis field, prevents us from moving along the probability axis. It is the connection with the stasis field that allows the observer effect to collapse the wave functions of quantum superpositions because of which we can observe only one world line at a time. However, violating the casual relationship with the individual elements of the stasis field, we can possibly create local holes in it through which we can move a little along the probability axis. In this context, the assumption looks convincing that the distortion of quantum probability by the genesis field is caused by the fact that we are moving along the probability axis at this moment, and therefore, the probability spectrum is shifting relative to us. At the same time, this shift itself retro-casually contributes to our movement, taking the form which corresponds to the timeline where reality meets our expectations. That could explain how IDAs work without knowing the actual map or definition of artifacts participants are searching for. You just plain shift along the probability access to the timeline where reality meets your expectations because your thoughts are entangled to future observations through the QRNG and randomness looks distorted from your point of view and manner. That leads you directly to the place or actions that are necessary to establish that entanglement. Then, the use of attractor points related to these fluctuations can be a real creation of a portal to a parallel world, and the Fathom Project is not just a way to create new probability tunnels, but a way to travel through the multiverse. After such a probabilistic shift, something in the reality surrounding us can change retro-casually. Perhaps some small detail or an event of the past will be overwritten, which causes the so-called Mandela effect. It is recommended to avoid the effects of despair memes during the plane shifting, as they can cause negative expectations and move you to dangerous timelines. It is recommended to save all unusual items found at points of the attractor and entangle them to your everyday life. Their very existence in your reality tunnel can help synchronize with the new timeline. Objects may have unusual, casual properties, by the way. End quote. Wow. Okay. So, like I said before, I don't normally read straight from pages, but I really just felt for this episode. It was necessary. Lots of concepts, lots of thinking outside the box going on. And I wanted to make sure that it got to you guys correctly. I wanted to give you that bit of backstory first, and there were a lot of terms and concepts that I had not encountered before, so I think giving it to you straight from the source was the best route here, and hopefully one day I can meet some of the creators behind the Randonaut app, and we can get a more personalized, in-depth look at the app. So let's talk about my experience with it. I was at first extremely skeptical. Then I started reading Reddit accounts and watching videos of people finding some of the same symbols in their journeys. 
The owl is in the logo of the Randonautica app. And once one of the developers put the owl figurine in the server, a lot of randonauts or people who use the app and go on these adventures, they started seeing the owl in their adventures. So this begged the question, does intent affect not only your reality, but that of others as well? And if you are into the dimension jumping theory, then you may have heard of the Owls of Eternity. Basically, after you learn about the Owls of Eternity experiment, you begin to see owls throughout your life. Similar to the frequency illusion, which my husband and I have experienced a lot in the past year. And basically, the frequency illusion is when you, let's say, you purchase an RV. We purchased an RV last year. And as soon as we purchased this RV, we started seeing the same RV everywhere. Um, Maybe you purchased a red car and then you started seeing the same red car everywhere. Or maybe you're wanting to um, buy a new dress and you see that new dress everywhere. So this is kind of where the frequency illusion comes into play. Some other common symbols that randonauts see are white rabbits and also matrix references. White rabbits as a symbol of going down the rabbit hole, obviously, from Alice in Wonderland. And the matrix, thinking of the movie that the amazing Keanu Reeves played in, um, it basically brings to mind glitches in the matrix and as humans if we are in a simulation do we need to break out of this matrix and end the simulation i've only been able to use the app a few times as where we're located there is barely any cell signal and it requires service to use the app you either have to have cell signal or wi-fi Um, both times i used it i was pleasantly surprised When I first used it, I hadn't researched very much into it. I hadn't done all of this backstory history and all all of these theories and concepts that I went into today. When I first used the app, I had just seen a couple of YouTube videos and TikTok videos. I had seen some Reddit posts and everyone that I watched, they seemed to be really excited about the synchronicities that were occurring while using the app. There were a handful of weird, disturbing, or scary posts that I saw, and I kind of steered clear of those. I um, was a little skeptical, like I mentioned before, and I thought maybe some of those YouTubers that um, were saying that they were being followed or had like a really scary experience, I thought some of it might have been clickbait, so I didn't even really look into the scary or disturbing stuff. But I've also always been of the mindset that what you put into life is what you get out of it. And I didn't really want to put any scary thoughts into my adventure, especially since I was alone or, well, sort of, I had Nova with me. I really just wanted my adventure to bring a sense of wonder, curiosity. Um, I did not want anything scary or negative happening. So I, I didn't really go down that way. In one of Randonautica's videos, there is a trip tip that the despair, pushback, or negative feelings is a commonly experienced emotion while randonauting. And their advice is much similar to what I just said. Keep your thoughts positive. 
Another tip of randonauting is to not do what I do and go alone. Um, I felt very safe since the area I was exploring in was a public trail and well-traveled. Lots of people in the area. I did not feel um, like scared at all. I also had Nova with me. So um, if you are in a public area and feel safe, that's great. But um, be wary of that pushback feeling that can sometimes cause intentions to become dark in nature. The first intention I set was that of beautiful macabre. Along the journey, I encountered several side trails that I had not been to with the most amazing sites. And let me backtrack a little bit. Um, So the intention, like I said, the intention I set was beautiful macabre. um, The location, the GPS coordinates that it generated uh, took me to a point along this trail within. um, So there's this park called Wallala Point Regional Park. And from there is a trail that goes through Sea Ranch, and the coordinates were along that Sea Ranch trail. Nova and I went on this really amazing walk. There were these side trails that I had never seen before, and they took us to the most epic views. Uh, I found a historical marker explaining how the location I was in was used in World War II as dive bombing practice. And much of randonauting is about the journey. Sometimes you'll find things along your journey that relate to your intention or even things that you thought about while setting your intention. When I was setting my intention, I remember thinking I wanted to see something beautiful, macabre, but then my mind started to wander and I was thinking about like historical things and um, just how it would be cool to find something historical. And then I kind of got my mind focused back again and I thought I should be very specific so I just kept focusing on beautiful macabre. So we arrived at the coordinates which was a really beautiful spot. I had no idea even existed. We've driven past this area many times. I had never been here and never seen it. It basically was a private beach. There was not a soul there. And Noah and I had so much fun exploring. There were amazing rock formations, washed up seaweed, crabs, and more. But um, like while we were exploring the beach, I hadn't really seen anything that would jump out to me as macabre until the very last moment when we were just about to leave. I actually recorded most of the journey on video, and I'm glad I did because I was surprised at what we found. We ha- you have this beautiful secret beach and at the very last moment, like right, we're about to climb back up to the rocks to go back to the trail and I see this dead bird and I would say that is pretty macabre. <laughs> I tried a couple of other points from that location because the idea is if you create a string from your first point, sometimes the anomalies can be stronger. But each one took me to places that I could not access and did not see anything of value or I didn't really see anything that um, meant anything to me. I kept trying to set the intention of treasure, but I also had to pee really bad. <laughs> and did I actually did randomly find a bathroom now that I think about it. I found this bathroom along a golf course that I also did not know was in that area. And I didn't know that the bathroom was going to be there. I just had to pee really bad. 
And so now that I'm thinking back, I wonder if my subconscious need of having to use the restroom was just so bad that it was overriding my original attempt of finding treasure. <laughs> so that's something to think about. The next point I set, um, I thought about my intention, focused. I wanted to find something intriguing in the redwood forest close to camp. I had driven a little ways to get to that first point and I just really wanted to find something that I could walk to. Um, I didn't film this part but I did take Nova with me again and I did take some pictures of some of my findings. So on this second journey it was just as magical as the point that it led me to. I found a raven feather then I found a burial site for a pet named Stella. And the point it took me to was the largest redwood stump I have ever seen. I mean, this thing had to be like 15 feet across. It was incredible. And we're here in the redwoods and have been for a few months and I have never seen a stump this large before. So that was really, really cool. And it was in a section of the forest I hadn't been before. So it it did feel very magical. I do want to mention on this second adventure, I definitely experienced that feeling of pushback. And part of the journey that it took me on took me through a section of the forest where there were some shifty characters. Um, a couple of the people that I encountered were just shifty in nature and kind of made me feel like I had to be on guard. I pushed past them. They were nice. They were friendly. Um, I just didn't really have good vibes about them and I couldn't shake that weird feeling. So um, previously when we were talking about that pushback feeling and that negative feeling, um, you just really have to stay positive. And I I definitely experienced that. It was really hard to shake. Um, I just kept thinking positive and moved past them as quickly as possible. All in all, I would say my two randonauting adventures were a complete success, and I can't wait until we are in an area with more self-service so I can try it again. Also, I do feel it important to mention that after using the Randonautica app, I have had the owl appear in my life in a few different ways. Um, I found some owl pellets and recently was at a store and just saw a bunch of owls sitting on a shelf and then I saw an owl sticker on somebody's car and I swear I have not seen or noticed owls in my life before this. Now I have been seeing them so that's just something kind of weird and interesting. I also have had a few synchronicities happen to me that are a bit, I mean, I don't know. Some people are going to listen to this and think that they're total coincidences, but the time frame at which I thought about these things and then the time frame that I found these things is really short. So to me, these are definitely synchronicities. For example, I collect pieces of natural history. So if I find bones or unique plants or sometimes I press flowers. I recently 
was hoping to find a deer antler or a piece of a deer antler out in the wild to add to my natural history collection. So yesterday I take Nova on a walk and right when I walk out the door, I'm thinking to myself, I really want to find a deer antler. And about 10, 15 minutes into our walk, what do I find? A freaking deer antler just laying in the woods here. I mean, it was only 10 to 15 minutes and I found that thing. So to me, that was just, I, I was so excited. I ran back home and washed it up and it's sitting in my collection now. Some other things I've been looking for include unique feathers and acorns, and I have since found them. I also was hoping to find a uh, well-preserved moth wing, and I found one of those. And now I'm not sure if I am looking for synchronicities and assigning meaning to things that have no meaning, or maybe I'm just being hyper aware of synchronicities that are occurring around me since I have used the app. But either way, since using the app, I have felt a more unique connection to the world around me. In the meantime, I suggest you try it out and just remember, keep a positive attitude about it. You can find the Rendonauts sub on Reddit and follow team members Auburn and Comrade on Twitter. And I will link those accounts in the show notes today. I'd also be curious to hear your thoughts on this wacky adventure that dances between the lines of game, science, and art. What do you think? Do your intentions create your reality? Are you able to shift between the planes? Until next time, stay curious.